If you have your Bibles, I hope you'll find your place in Psalm chapter number 55. Psalm 55. David wrote this psalm, and he wrote this psalm in the midst of probably one of the greatest hurts that he's ever experienced in his life. Now, I know that uh, uh, Pastor Chris and Pastor Jacob being facetious about uh, the Chick-fil-A and being hurt that they're closed on Sundays. And we all know that we're grateful to God that they've got some convictions and morals about them and they show the world that you can operate and sustain a business even with some values and morality and some standards and not be open on Sunday. Amen right there? I'm very grateful for that. Uh, but you'd be surprised and amazed at how many people do get hurt over some of the silliest things. Uh, however, there are some times that people get hurt over very serious things. We see individuals jump on social media and begin to uh, air their dirty laundry and voice their ugliness and pour out venom all over, the, all over the world. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, I come to you this morning with deep, deep concern that as born-again children of God, that's not how you handle your hurt. As a matter of fact, we see in Psalm chapter 55 how we are to handle hurt. Let, let's look at this if we could. Uh, remember, David wrote this, and as David he put it to music, he would actually sing this, but this is probably one of the most uh, hurtful times in his life. And we'll give more, uh, give more detail in this as we go through it together. But look at verse number 1, and let's read this through together, and then I want to share the story with you. He says, Give ear to my prayer, O, o God. And do not hide yourself from my supplication. Attend to me and hear me. I am restless in my complaint and moan noisily. Have you ever been so hurt you, you found yourself like that where you just moan and groan and gloom and despair and agony? And I mean, it's serious. I mean, you're moaning. Man, that just hurt me so bad. I had one pastor tell me this. His pastor was hurt. Pastors get hurt too uh, more times than not. But I was talking to a pastor one day, and man, he was just distraught. And I said, are you okay? He said, no. I said, well, what's wrong? He said, well, so-and-so left the church. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, well, why did they leave the church? He said, you're not going to believe it. I said, well, try me. He said, they left the church because they didn't like the way I looked. I said, do what? He said, yeah, they left the church because when, they, when, I, was, when I was standing up there preaching, and he, they didn't like the way I looked. said, I, I looked like a, a bulldog, and they didn't like the, the way that I looked. My jaws big and all, and they reminded them of, of somebody that was mean to them, and so it hurt them, and, and, and they, they, they just left. I said, hurt them? Sounds to me like you're hurt. He said, I'm extremely hurt. I said, he said, how would you like it if somebody left your church over the way that you looked? Uh, this is a real deal. Even pastors get hurt. And so we find here, David is hurt, and he says, man, I'm, mo I'm moaning. Oh, I can't believe I'm going through this. Verse 3, he gives the reason why. Because of the voice of the enemy, notice he uses the article, the, the, the enemy, he says, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they bring down trouble upon me, and in wrath they hate me. My heart is severely pained within me, and all the terrors of death had fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. Have you ever been like this? Have you ever been so hurt that you just wanted to die? I just want to look at it. Look at what he says there. He says, my heart is severely pained within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. I just want to die, he says. And he says, I'm scared. And I'm trembling. He says, look at me here. I'm trembling. I'm so upset over this. And horror has overwhelmed me. So I said, 
Oh, that I have had wings like a dove, I'd fly away and be at rest. Indeed, I'd wander off and remain in the wilderness. You ever been so hurt you just want to leave and not come back? Man, I tell you what, he was so hurt that he was ready to go and leave, and he didn't want to go to, a, he didn't want to, go to a, a Hawaii. He said, I'd go to the wilderness. He was so hurt, he'd rather be in a dry, barren place where there's no water, where there's no sustenance, where there's nothing, rather than be in the hurt that he's in. He goes on to say this in verse 8. He said, I would hasten my escape. He said, I wouldn't wait. I'd just go right now. From the, from the windy storm and the tempest that I'm encountering, verse 9, destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues. For I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around it, they go around it on its walls. Uh, iniquity and trouble are also in the midst of it. Uh, destruction is in its midst. Oppression and deceit uh, do not depart from its streets. Now look, notice what verse 12, he's going to switch gears here. He's going to say, for it is not an enemy who reproaches me. Now remember, he already used the article, the, speaking of a person. And now he's going to give you insight into this person. And he says, this person is not a true enemy. I mean, he's not like uh, the Philistines. This is not the Philistines that are coming against him, is what he's saying. He says, for it is not an enemy who reproaches me. Then I could bear it. If it was the Philistines... I could handle that. Nor is it one that hates me, who has exalted himself against me. He says, it's not even somebody that, that, that hates me, which means he's saying, it's somebody that loved me. He says, I'm hurt over the fact that somebody that I love has hurt me so great that I'd rather be in the desert, wandering around in the wilderness, than experience and go through this hurt that I'm experiencing. Notice what he goes on to say. He says in verse 13, but it was you, not talking about God, but he's talking about the individual in particular. But it is you, a man of my equal, my companion, my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked to the house of God in the throne. He says, this is somebody that loved me and I love them. We even walked to church together. That's one thing to be hurt by a stranger. But I'm telling you, it's something totally different to be hurt by somebody in your family, somebody, uh, especially in your church family, your pastor, somebody in your church. Somebody has hurt David tremendously. And look at what he says in verse number 15. He says, let death seize them. Now he's going to give this expression of his hurt. He says, let them go down alive into hell for the wickedness of their dwellings among them. He says, I wish they would burn alive in hell. Boy, he's hurt. He's hurt. Look at what he says there. He immediately, after he says that, for the wicked in his dwelling place and among them, in verse 16, he goes, And as for me, now he calls the attention to himself, I will call upon God, uh, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and noon I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. He has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. For there were many against me, God will hear the affl and afflict them, even he who abides from old. He's talking about the vengeance belonging to God. He's going to take care of it. And the reason why he's going to take care of it is because, in verse 19 in the latter part, because they do not change. He says, the people that are against me never change. They have this one thing in common. He says, they do not fear God. Verse 20. 
He has put forth his hands against those who were at peace with me. He has broken his covenant. Again, speaking of the one, one that has hurt him. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. The words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Cast your burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. But you, O God, shall bring them down to the pit of destruction. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in you. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. David clearly is going through something here this morning that is absolutely heart-wrenching. What in the world has happened to David to cause him to be in such distraught and give us a beautiful example of how to handle the hurt? This passage of Scripture is found over in 2 Samuel, beginning in chapter 13, and it runs all the way through chapter number 19. It's impossible to read that passage to you today. So let me tell you the story, what happened there in 2 Samuel, beginning in chapter 13. Because of David's sin uh, with Bathsheba, there were many children that had come into play. David had a lot of kids. And because David had a lot of kids, there were a lot of kids that were stepkids. Kids that had David as their father, but a different mother. David had two children in particular that he loved dearly. One was by the name of Absalom. Another was by the name of Amon. The only problem was that Amon loved his sister Tamar. Now when I say Amon loved Tamar, I'm not saying that he loved him in a sister-like love, no. Amon loved Tamar with a desire for her to be intimate with her. She was a virgin, and he knew that he could not touch her. There was a cousin of, of uh, uh, the family that came to, to uh, Amon and said this. said, Amon, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you how you can get your sister, your half-sister. And he come up with this elaborate plan. And through this elaborate plan, Amon executed that plan. And we know what happened. You'll remember the story. It was horrible. Uh, Amon raped his sister Tamar. And after that atrocious, after that terrible, terrible instance, he turned his back on Tamar and insulted her. In such a way that when Absalom heard what had happened, it infuriated him. And the Bible says that he fumed about it for two years solid. Finally, after the second year, he says, I've got to do something about this. I am so mad at my brother, I'm going to kill him. So he went to his dad and he said, Dad, King David, I want to have a sheep shearing party. And I want you to come. I'll make this big banquet. We'll have this big feast. It'll be a lot of fun. We'll get all the sheep sheared. It's going to be a great sheep shearing party. But Amon is dead. And as Amon is dead, Absalom, my son, killed him. He said, oh, Absalom, why have you done such a thing? Absalom knew that he wasn't going to be able to come home, so Absalom turned and he went to Geshur. And as he went to Geshur, he resided there and he stayed there for three years. 
Every day David thought about Absalom. Every day he wanted Absalom to come back home. Every restore Absalom. He wanted to heal this hurt in his heart. But Absalom did not want to deal with the hurt that had happened between Ammon and Tamar. David would not deal with the hurt that he had with Absalom. And so finally, Joab, he went to, uh, the Bible says he went to Tekoa. And he found this woman. He said, lady, I want you to do me a favor. Would you dress up real nice and... In fact, don't dress up too nice. I want you to dress up nice morning style like you've just been to a funeral. And I want you to go into the king's presence and I want you to weep and wail and I want you to tell him a story. And the story that I want you to tell the king is I want you to tell him that you had two sons. And I want you to tell him that one son killed the other son. And that everybody around wanted to kill your only living son, the heir to your good name. And he says, I want you to tell him, and I want you to watch and see what the king's going to do. So the woman walked in, all dressed up in her mourning, and she went, and she began to tell the story as to what happened. David was wroth in his anger. He said, wait a minute, I can't believe somebody would want to kill your son. That's your only living son. I'm going to protect him. And so he signed a decree, and he said, I'm protecting your son, I'm protecting you, and nobody will be able to touch you. And the lady said, can I ask you a question, king? You're willing to protect my living son because everybody wants to kill him. And yet you have a son that's over in Geshur and you're not willing to even to protect him. What makes me think that you're going to be serious about protecting my son? David immediately, a light went off. He said, you've been talking to Joab. She said, yes. Joab came on the scene. Joab says, yes, king, it was me. I put her up to it. And David said, you know what? You're right. I need to restore my relationship with my son. Go get him. They went and got Absalom and they brought him back. By this time, Absalom's heart was already hard. Absalom came into the presence of the king. And David said, I love you, son, but I don't want to see you. I'm done with you. I don't want you in my presence. You see, David didn't handle it right. He was only doing it for show. You know, when it comes to your hurt, you can really show forth good, but be completely wrong in your heart. Absalom knew his dad hurt him. And so Absalom left that day, being able to be back in Jerusalem. But he said, I'm done with this. He went straight to 50 soldiers, and he won their hearts. Every morning for the next four years, Absalom would get in a chariot and drive to the city gate. And every child of Israel that would come to see King David for a judgment call on a legal matter, he would stop them. And he would say this, King David, don't want, he doesn't want to hear your request today. What you really need is you need somebody to be a judge in your community. I'd make a great judge. I'm the king's son. I can call the shots between righteous and unrighteous. You need to elect me to be your judge. And here's when I'd like to do it. And for four years, everybody that came to see the king, he won their heart. Absalom won the heart of the people 
And they turned their hearts away from King David to Absalom. Finally, the day came where, where Absalom went to King David and said, I've got this uh, promise that I made. And I want to go fulfill this promise. Will you let me leave Jerusalem and go fulfill this promise, Dad? Absalom, uh, King David said, yes, I'll let you go. So he left, but what he told everybody else was this. I'm going to Hebron. By the way, let me just say this parenthetically. Absalom was born in Hebron. Hebron was the original capital of Jerusalem. And so we find here that when he said that, he was going back to his hometown because he knew he had a great following there. So when Absalom got to Hebron, he said, I was born here. Y'all are my people. I am your rightful king. When I sound the trumpets, I want everybody to rise up and say, Absalom is our king. He had won the people's hearts so much so that they did exactly what he said. When the trumpet was blown, they stood up and said, Absalom is our king! Absalom is our king! News got to David quick. David was heartbroken again over the hurt that he felt that his son now has betrayed him and stole the kingship. And he was so concerned that he said, I've got to get out of here. Get everybody together. I want everybody to get on the chariot. Let's get out of here. I only want ten concubines to stay behind and take care of the house. Let's go. And he got everybody up and he left. And he left everything to go wander in the desert. It is in this context that he writes Psalm 55. His son has just deserted him. But not only did David's son desert him, David's closest companion turned his back on him as well. His name was Ahithophel. Anytime David needed a strategy or needed uh, somebody to turn to to help him figure out some things, he would always turn to Ahithophel. Do you know who Ahithophel was? Ahithophel, listen now, was Bathsheba's grandfather. So Ahithophel knew that David had violated his granddaughter by having her husband killed, and then here comes Solomon being born. You see, Ahithophel was hurt too. And Ahithophel said, I'm going to get him. So Ahithophel turns his back on David. And he goes after Absalom and says, my allegiance is to you, Absalom. And in the midst of all of this wickedness, David sits and he pins these words. And he says, oh, I'm hurting God. I'm hurting, I'm hurting, I'm hurting. This man is showing us what hurt is all about. And it is in this story, it's in this psalm, that we see how David handled his hurt. And the way David handled his hurt is the same way, watch this, you and I need to handle hurt. God does not want us to handle our hurt by blasting this nation with all of our ugliness and dirty laundry. God wants us to handle our hurt the biblical way. And I want you to see 
what David did. He did the same thing you and I need to do. There's three of them. Let me give them to you very quickly and I'll close. Number one, here's the first one. The first thing we've got to do, if we're going to handle our hurt biblically, is we've got to make a choice. We've got to make a choice. In these first verses, we see David laying out the hurt that he has experienced. And through that hurt, the choice he made concerning who he's going to talk to. You see, we're living in a day when we're hurt today. Man, we want to talk to all different kind of people. We want to talk to our mom, our dad, our brother, our sister. We want to talk to somebody that will be empathetic with us. Somebody that will be sympathetic with us. We want to turn to somebody that will listen. And the number one person we turn to is a thing. And that thing is social media. I want to tell you today, David did not turn to social media. David did not turn to friends in low places. David made a conscientious decision to turn first and foremost to God. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 16. He says, as for me, I will call upon God. Brothers and sisters, when you are hurt, you've got a decision you've got to make. You have a choice that has to be made. Who will you call upon? The first thing we see is who David called. Who did he call? David called upon the Lord. He called upon God. As a matter of fact, the Bible uses this term call. It's the Hebrew word karah. And it means to cry out with a, with a loud voice, with your voice, to pour out all your desires before the Lord. He didn't pour it all out on Facebook. He didn't pour it all out on Instagram. He didn't pour it all out, uh, if you would, on the, uh, Snapchat or any other social media that's out there. He poured his heart out to God. And if you want to handle your hurt, brother and sister, the first thing you've got to do is you have got to call upon God. Number two, the second thing he did in, in regard to this is not only do we see who David called, but we also see what David complained about. We see what he complained in verses 2 through 15. Now there's a lot here, and I, I can only deal with one or two things. Let me show you two things in particular. Number one, the first thing he complained about was his heart. Look at what the Bible says, if you would, in verse number 4. He says this, My heart is severely pained within me. And the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me. And horror has overwhelmed me. The first thing David complained about was his own heart. He clearly knew that as a born-again child of God, a man after God's own heart, then he ought not to be fearful. He ought not to be pained. He ought not to be t talking about killing himself and, and wanting to do away and running away. He understands this, but he's complaining to God about his heart, and he's asking God again in verse number 1, Do not hide yourself from my supplication. Attend to my ear. I'm restless in my complaint, and I'm moaning. Mo noisily hear my heart God God wants you to pour out your heartache to him he talks about his heart I wonder when's the last time you just got really honest with God with a broken heart a hurting heart and called out to him we see his heart. But then we also talk, he talks about his hurt in verse 12 look at what he says in verse number 12 he says, for it is not an enemy who reproaches me. He said, then I could bear it. Nor does he who hates me 
who has exalted himself against me. Then I could hide from him. But it was you. Who's he talking about? Many scholars believe, and I do too, I hold to that he's talking, not that I'm a scholar, but I believe that he's talking about Ahithophel here. He says, you were my equal. You were my companion. You were my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together. And we walked to the house of God together. We see his complaint. Boy, have you ever been hurt by, like this by somebody? Who did you turn to? Maybe you got hurt by a church, or maybe you got hurt by a preacher. And instead of turning to God, you turned away from God. Maybe you got hurt by a spouse. Maybe you got hurt by a job. Or maybe you got hurt by a situation. And instead of calling out to God, you called out to the world. Oh, and you found great sympathy in the world. That's why I don't trust them religious people. Ah, that's why I don't trust them preachers. Oh, that's why I don't trust this or that or the other. Oh, no, dear friend. You're listening to the wrong people. You're calling out to the wrong person. David made a choice. When you're hurt, you're going you're to make a choice. Who are you going to call on? I challenge you today to call upon God. Number two, the second thing we see. Not only do you see that he made a choice, the second thing we've got to do is we've got to make a commitment. Make a commitment. We see in verses 17 through 22, David made a commitment. We see David making a commitment not to let his prayer life suffer because of his hurt. Look at what the Bible says again in verse number, uh, in verse number 17. He says, evening and morning and noon, I will pray and cry aloud. And he shall hear my voice. Not only you got to make a choice, but if you want to handle your hurt biblically, you got to make a commitment. And that commitment is to not let your prayer life suffer. You see what David did here? David said, evening and morning and noon, I will pray and cry aloud. He says, I'm not going to let my prayer life suffer. I'm going to pour my heart out to God. As a matter of fact, when you look at this, you'll notice how his commitment affected his outlook. The first thing you see is David's focus. Look at verse number 18. He says, He has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. Now let's stop right there. Remember, think about what David's doing. Use your sanctified imagination. If you put yourself in David's shoes, what has he just experienced? The most awful trial and the most awful hurt that a person can ever have with a with a family member and also a close associate. But remember what happened before that. He had an affair with a married woman's wife. With a married woman. He had an affair with this married woman. And in having an affair with this married woman, he had sinned against God. And Nathan the prophet had to point his finger at him and say, You are guilty. And in heartbroken, David repented. And remember what David said. It's between you, God, and you alone have I done this great wickedness. And what did God do? God forgave him. 
And so David never got over this. And throughout all of his writings, you see this. And David said in verse number 18, He redeemed my soul. I prayed. I poured out my heart to God. I made a choice. And now I'm making a commitment that I will continue to pray and I'll cry aloud. The word cry there means to moan. It's what the Holy Spirit does when we don't have words to say, when the Holy Spirit is interceding uh, between us and God. He says, I'm moaning out loud. And he shall hear my voice. Why? Because he has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. For there were many against me. He says, a lot of people that wanted me done in. But God, in his great wisdom, knew exactly what I needed. And what did I need? I needed redemption. We see David's focus. But watch this. You also see David's faith. Look at what he says again. He says in verse uh, number, uh, in verse number 19, uh, he, he says again, God will hear. That's his faith. He's not saying, I hope God hears my prayer. No, he says, God's going to hear my prayer. He will hear what I have to say. David knew that God heard every word that he said. God hears you, brothers. God hears you, sisters. Listen to me. You're out there watching today, and you're hurt. That hurt has overwhelmed you so you don't know how to handle it. Turn to God. And stop letting your prayer life suffer. Many times we experience hurt, and the first thing to go by the wayside is our prayer time. We'll spend more time talking to other people about what hurt us instead of talking to God and asking God to help us. We see David's faith. God will hear. And then number three, we see David's form, verse 22. His form. Notice what David does. He says... In verse 22, cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. Now, I hope you have your pens, pencil, lipstick, or mascara. I hope you're taking notes here. Man, I'm telling you, this is a power-packed uh, sermon. Not because I'm preaching it, because it is in an incredible section of Scripture, Psalm 55. If you have your pens, I would underline uh, that word cast. Cast. That word cast means to move over. Uh, you take this uh, handkerchief, is on this side. It is saying that I'm going to move over this handkerchief from this side to this side. I just cast my handkerchief to this side of the pulpit. So he's saying, I want you to physically move something from one position to another. What do you want me to move? David, what are you encouraging me to move? Look at what he says, your burden. I would underline that word burden because in the Hebrew, you're not going to like what it means. In the Hebrew, that word burden means gift. Gift. Cast your gift. Now, wait a minute. Buzzard, last time I looked, any, any burden I had was not a gift. You want to know the reason why? Because I was looking at it through the wrong lens. You see, when you look through the lens of the Word of God, the things that the devil intended for evil... God intended those same things for good. And so whatever hurt that you're going through, whatever burden that you're experiencing, when looked through the eyes of a born-again child of God through the Scriptures, that burden becomes a gift. And David just simply says that take your gift 
that you have been given and give that to God. Only God could take a burden, turn it into a gift, and you give that back to Him and watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it, look, 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 look at your Bibles, look at what He says. Oh, this is good. He says, and He shall sustain you. That word sustain there, I'd underline it. Why? Oh, it's got a power-packed meaning. It means to supply food needed for strength. So he's saying here, you have this great burden on you, this terrible situation, this great hurt that you're experiencing. Look at that as a precious gift from God and cast that gift on God. And as you give him that burden, as you give him that gift, he in turn gives you the very food that you need to not just sustain your life, but to help you thrive in Jesus Christ. That, that's why, that's why when you look through the eyes uh, of a, the Bible at this culture, this is an awesome time to be alive. The world is gloom, despair, and agony on me. There's only one hope for you, dear friend. There's only one hope for you, and that's Jesus Christ. And if you'll take all your hurt, all your burdens, all your pain, all your trial, all your dissension, all your anger, all your bitterness, if you'll look at that burden as a gift as a child of God and cast it, give it to God, He'll give you just what you need. But you've got to make a commitment. You've got to commit yourself to Him. David made a commitment. He said, I'm not going to let my prayer life fall. I'm going to stick with God on this. He made a choice. I'm not going to run and tell everybody about my hurt. I'm telling God. And then here's the third one, and I'm done. I'm out of time. Make a confession. Make a confession. Here's the third thing David did. Verse 23 is where you see it. He says, But you, O God, shall bring them down to the pit of destruction. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men shall not live out half their days. He, he's talking about, you know, remember, the Scripture says, Vengeance is mine, saying the Lord. He's making this declaration. He's saying the same thing in a different way. God, you're going to have vengeance on the ones that hurt me. If my hurt is legitimate and it is undeserved, you're going to take care of it. But here's my responsibility. Look at what he says in the latter part. Not to retaliate, he says... But I will trust in you. This is a confession. He's confessing this. So if David makes this confession, then here's what you ought to be able to do. You ought to be able to take your Bibles and say, okay, if David trusted in the Lord with his hurt, you ought to be able to find some verses that demonstrate this truth, him trusting in the Lord. You ought to be able to see that fleshed out. You agree with that? So where are they? Let me give you five of them. There's, I, I can, there's hundreds of them. But let me give you five in closing. Because if you're going to make a declaration like this, if you're going to confess that you trust God, then you better be ready. You're going to have to flesh it out. Let me get it real personal. If Pastor Shane says he trusts in God, then God may allow the COVID virus to come on me to test me to see, do I really trust Him? 
I'm just telling you where I'm living today, buzzard. That's where I'm living. Preach you up there talking about all things work together for good to those that love God and called according to His purpose. Now what you going to do? You got it. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what I did the day before. I'm going to trust Him. And I'm going to trust Him the next day, and I'm going to trust Him the next day. I'm going to listen to my doctors. I'm going to take counsel from those that have been educated in the area of medicine. But I'm going to trust God. God gave me this life, and he wants to take my life away. He'll do it. I had the wonderful opportunity of, of sharing. Miriam and I did about, um, <laughs> we shared our story. And I made this a little silly. We were talking about God's provision, you know, and as a pastor, I talked about the first time I ever owned a brand new vehicle. It's that red truck that I drive out there. And uh, I'll never forget it. God gave me that truck. And uh, I'm, I'm so grateful for it. But Miriam brought up, brought up the topic that, you know, I'd, when I came here, I had the truck and I went to an evangelism conference, Grant and I did, in, in downtown Atlanta. And we were at this evangelism conference. And uh, we woke up the next morning and there were police all in the parking lot. I mean, everywhere. And... Uh, glass on the ground and all this crazy stuff and we walk out and I said man Grant we're, we're in a mess let's, let's, let's see if we can't get out of here and I walked over to where the truck was and the truck was gone it was gone brother you remember you took me to go get it and it, the, that glass that I saw that was from my window <laughs> they had broken my window and stole my truck and uh, I looked at Grant and I said well they don't know it, but they took God's truck. And uh, so I called the insurance company, got me a ride over to a rental car place, and uh, went on about the conference. And I just would, I would pray, and I would just say to the Lord, this, and this is the God honest truth. I said, Lord, you gave me that truck. If you were done with me having it, then I know you're going to supply me another one. If you're not done with me having that truck, you're going to give it back to me. And uh, a couple of days passed. I'll never forget this. The phone rang. I picked up the phone on the other end. It says, uh, uh, Mr. Robertson? I said, yes, sir. He said, uh, this is Officer So-and-so with the Atlanta Police Department. I said, yes, sir. He said, we got the strangest thing that had happened. He said, uh, we found your truck. But what's amazing is the area we found it in. We found your truck in a popular place where people take vehicles when they steal it in Atlanta. And we have never found a vehicle in perfection like yours is. The only thing wrong with your truck is the windows knocked out. Said they did take your keys, but they left all your Bibles in your tracks. You can pick up your truck, and he gave me the address. Well, I didn't know where in the world that was, but Eric here, who's sitting on the front row, Eric here knew exactly where it was at. So I called Eric, and Eric said, well, I'll take you down there to get it. And so he took me down there, and God, in his great sovereignty, gave me his truck back. And I still drive it today. And I'll drive it until he takes it away from me. Whether that be dead on the side of the road, or if somebody else comes and gets it, I don't know. The bottom line is simply this. If you say you trust God, because he loves you, he will put your trust to the test. Now, Karen, you say, well, I don't like that. Well, you may not like it, but I'm going to tell you what. The reason why he does it is to help you grow up in your maturity. Well, watch this. 
Because David made this declaration, you find all through Scripture where it changed who he was. It affected his daily life. Like, for example, it affected his thinking. Psalms 139.2. Psalms 139.2 says this. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar, afar off. David said, God, you're in heaven and you understand my thoughts. I get that. How does he get that? Because he trusts in the Lord. Number two, it'll change your obedience. Psalm 119.33, the Bible says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes and I will keep it to the end. David always kept the statutes of the Lord when he clearly understood forgiveness came from God. Now, was he perfect? No, he wasn't perfect, but he was redeemed. He never forgot the fact that he was redeemed. Number three, it changed his character. There's a story over in 2 Samuel chapter 9 when Saul was being so reckless and wanting to kill David. And we remember this story that David, uh, Saul wanted to kill him, wanted to take his life. And David had two or three times an opportunity to strike Saul down and kill him. But David never did. Why? Because he trusted the Lord and it affected his character. So much so that over in uh, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 3 and 4, listen to what the Bible says. Then the king, King David, said, Is there, is there not still someone in the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God to? Because David trusted God, he wanted to bless somebody, the family of Saul, that hurt him so much. How can you do that? Only through trust in God. Only through trust in God. It affected his character. It affected his relationships, and it affected his maturity. Uh, that's enough for today. There's five things that it affected in his life. Dear friend, right where you're sitting, I'm not going to ask you to come forward to the altar you can if you want, but right where you're sitting, right there in your homes, brothers, sisters, right where you're sitting today, will you deal with your hurt? Will you do just as the Bible says? Will you choose to go to God with it right now to get back to your prayer life? And then I want to challenge you, will you do this today? Will you confess to God and say, I trust you, even though I don't understand, I trust you. Will you do that today? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, you would help us to deal with our hurt in a biblical way. And the only way to do that is to turn our eyes on you. Thank you for loving us. Now as we sing here in just a few moments a response to the message, may it be our prayer that we turn our eyes to you. Lord, we love you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand as we stand. I want this to kind of be our rally cry today. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Could we sing this as our prayer to God that this week... If we experience hurt, we're going to turn our eyes to Jesus. Let's sing this together and we'll be dismissed. Here we go. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strange.
your grace is glorious. And Father, thank you that as born-again children of God, even though we may not understand it, Lord, there's a biblical way to handle our hurt. And so, Father, I pray that as we go through this life and experience, experience hurt, we may experience hurt this week, I pray that we would handle it in a biblical way. I pray we'd run to you, call upon you, that we would commit to not letting our prayer lives fall by the wayside. And that we, through the declaration of, I trust God, Lord, that we would be able to demonstrate that truth through our thinking, through our obedience, through our maturity, through our relationships, through all of those areas of our lives that we see David as David was affected as well. We love you. We thank you. And we praise you for this passage of Scripture. Help us to flesh it out this week. In Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. God bless you, church. I hope you have a great week. I'll be in the green room. would love to see you. Thank you. And have a great, great day. Thank you so very much for tuning in to our broadcast today. It is the purpose of Maysville Baptist Church to love God, love others, and serve the world. One of the ways that we serve the world is broadcasting this program all over the world through the Internet. I want to tell you what a joy it is to have you tune in today. Maybe at the end of the service you prayed and received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. Several years ago, I wrote a book entitled My First Week. I would love to send you a copy of this book to help you on your brand new journey as being a born-again Christian. If you'll just reach out to me by our website, send me an email, uh, or maybe even call the church, I'd be glad to drop this in the mail and send it to you. May the Lord bless you for tuning in. I hope to see you next week, and thank you for being with us at Mason. So